0: To much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of having Antonio Garrido here with me today. He's a a Sandler disciple. He's the author of many books, and the one I really wanted to dig deeply into was asking questions the Sandler way. But beyond that, The ability to ask questions is such a powerful tool that we have. With the right question, you can change the mindset of the person you're talking to. And Antonio, welcome to the program. Hello, Umar. Thank you so
1: much for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. I do appreciate it. Thank you.
0: So you must have seen a need that, you know, people really need to understand the power of asking questions in order for you to, especially your first book, because the first time I wrote a book. It is freaking awful, especially yeah. the first time you meet an editor. <laughs> it's like, I've still been traumatized by that. So yeah. what did you see that made you write that book? Um, I, well,
1: a few things, I guess. I, I Maybe the thing that really prompted me to start to sit down and kind of plan the book or schedule the book or or, or, or actually... Write down the issues that I was hoping that the book would try to resolve. Right, so I had a plan before I before I uh, dove in, and I guess the main one was I was I found myself wondering a few um, years ago because prior to be becoming a sandal trainer, I was always um, in sales and marketing, and I, I came up to. Um, uh, company leadership through the marketing route and through the sales route, right? And I found myself wondering oh, nice. one day I was having a conversation with a prospect and I thought to myself I wonder what percentage of the time do our suspects and prospects and clients tell us the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth and, and I was kind of wondering about that question. It's never happened. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, since I wrote the book and you know I've been training now for um, I don't know seven or eight years, I've asked that question of my uh, clients countless times. You know, whether well, either on a one-to-one situation or a group training session, or even if I'm on the stage and there are you know hundreds and potentially thousands of people in the audience, and. No one has ever said 100%, like never, like never, ever, right? And I've I've had a lot of very low numbers, right? But no one's ever said, oh, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, 100% for sure. You know, if I were generous of spirit, I would probably say 75%.
0: Just digging into that a little deeply, we'll go there. When I think about how many times do I tell myself the truth, Mm -hmm. when I first got married, you know, I am a really romantic guy. And I had mentioned this to my wife after we were married. And I said, you know, I'm a really romantic guy. And she said, actually, you are not. (laughs) And she gave me all these cases. But the illusion I had was, I absolutely am. But when she pointed out all the areas, it was like, huh. Huh. Yeah. I had no idea. I deluded myself to think I was better at this than I am. And other people think they're worse than they are. So that's just the human condition. Well, so, really- anyway, let's go back to what you were saying in terms of.
1: No, I just have to respond to that just before I come back to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's a re- you know, in, in the book, one of the things that we do talk about for obvious reasons is, you know, self awareness. Right. And, uh, you know, that mindset of reflection and wisdom comes from evaluated experience and all of that kind of stuff. And it's a bit like, you know, when you say to a sales guy, how good are you at asking really, really good questions? It's a bit like saying to somebody, how good a driver of you? I mean, everybody thinks they're a tremendous driver. You think you're a tremendously uh, romantic <laughs> yeah. husband, right? It's it's like my wife. My wife. Te- my wife tells me she must be a good driver because she's never ever been in a car crash, but she's seen about fifty in the rearview mirror, right? So, um, so the fact. <laughs> that- <laughs> so, um, so what our prospects and clients tell us, they, they tell us a version of the truth, right? That they think it's in their best interest to have us believe. And if we are enormously gullible, we'll just take them at, them at face value, and we'll just go, okay, well that that must be the truth of it. And we 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 tend not to dig below the surface and really try and understand. One of the things I did when I was writing the book, I spent some time talking to some um, FBI agents. They're not easy to get hold of, by the way. And um, you know, the FBI for all that you might think about them, they are pretty good at getting to the truth, right? And so I was, in the book, we do talk about what do we um, as individuals have to do um, if we want to get to the truth? and how do we prepare for that? So, so one of the issues, back to your original question, which is a great question, was um, one of the motives for writing the book was I was wondering about this instance of, um, or this issue of, truth, whole truth, and nothing but the truth, um, and then trying to figure out how do we get closer to that. And that, then as I was, you know, kind of uh, uh, planning the book out, it occurred to me actually that there are um, there are other things that um, <laughs> were also an issue for me and you know, lots of my clients, which is, you know, if you talk to a buyer or a prospect and you ask them, hey, if you had a magic wand, you know, how much time would you give to, you know, the salesperson that wants to try and come sell in and sell to you. Um, and typically the buyer wants less time than the seller wants. So that then obviously yes. gets into, okay, so we've now got limited real estate because we don't have four hours to kind of, you know, interview this individual. So, you know, if you can imagine, I don't know, let Yeah. Yeah. But imagine if you had 60 minutes or let's just say 60 minutes, just, just to play that game. If you had 60 minutes uh, to spend with a, with, with an interested prospect, like how many questions could you ask in that limited room? I mean, it's not a hundred, right? You can't ask a hundred questions in 60 minutes. So, so if we have limited. No, and nor should you. Right. Exactly. Nor should you. So if, so in, in that case, then, then, we should make each question really, really useful, right? A pursuit to an end because we've only got limited real estate. We can't ask a million questions. And then something else um, uh, fell into that, which was, you know, if, if a salesperson looks and smells and feels and tastes and behaves like their competitors, well, how are they going to be treated exactly like their? Comp- and then if that's, that's is, get away yeah. from me, Exactly. So then, how would the buyer differentiate you from another? Well, typically, price, and so that's that's never good, right? So, um, so we have we have something to do with real estate, or the time that we have. We have got something to do with the truth. We've got something to do with our time, um, and we know that you know asking questions is the single best way for us to control the airtime. Now, typically the buyer wants the seller to do all the talking, but typically the seller wants the buyer to do the talking. Yeah, go ahead.
0: So one, I'm just going to make a funny joke here, because you asked the question, it's really, you made a comment. It's really hard to get a hold of the FBI. And there's a really easy way. All you have to do is go to any open phone line, say bomb airport and uh, Allahu Akbar. You'll get a call immediately, I bet. (laughs) Well, that, yeah, that's, uh, one B. <laughs> <laughs> on to a more serious note yeah on a serious note uh, i think asking questions is of course really really powerful and we're going to dig deeper into that but if you don't have enough rapport with the person you're talking with like you and i right now could not have a conversation about uh your wife but if we had enough rapport i could go antonio you know can you give me some advice around this area? How do you handle this with your spouse? You'd be more than happy to. And I think a lot of times salespeople go through that opening stage of just you know like cliche conversation. Oh, how are you? That's great. Oh, that picture on the wall. And they they do this kind of false rapport building. But if you yeah. can connect with that as a human being, they'll tell you anything and everything. And yeah, so let's dig deeper into questions. But building that trust first is critical.
1: It's absolutely critical and, and, it, and it, it segues quite nicely into, um, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the other questions I ask people when I'm sort of uh, training them, talking about the book, doing a tour about the book, I, I ask them, what is the single most important question of all of the questions that a salesperson can ask, right? And then when you ask that question of, of, of audiences,
0: go ahead, you have it, go ahead. I have the answer. Okay, go. Do you validate parking? No, that's not it. <laughs> what is the most important question?
1: Well, I think. Well, not I think. I absolutely believe and know that the, the most important and it, and it starts it starts this rapport, and I shall explain why in a second. It starts starts building this rapport, and 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 with the questions that we ask, uh, you know, the intent is to move away from vendor towards trusted advisor right? Vendor, just one of many, trusted advisor, one of few. And how do we move up that ladder from that very first hello and start building that bonding rapport and start building that, that uh, principle of being a trusted advisor? Well, so to answer your question, because I'm sure that all of your listeners are on tender hooks with a pad and pen <laughs> poised, the most important question of all questions is to get permission to ask questions, right? Because if we don't get permission to ask these questions, then it becomes a bit of an interrogation. It feels a bit more aggressive than it needs to be. And then you're not going to build trust. And from, from my way of thinking, the most important way of selling, and I, and I mean this not because, you know, I'm, I, as you say, um, a, a, a Sandler act like, but you know, it doesn't matter what sales process you follow. But the principle of trusted advisor is always important. The principle of of permission-based selling. And permission-based selling means you you ask the right questions and then... So let me give you an example. May I give you an example? Of course. Um, That was an example of a question type called the universal yes. Yes where you ask the question and the answer is always yes. So if you said to somebody, may I give you an example, they say yes, and that is permission-based selling. And there's lots of those. So if I said to you, Umar, hey, Umar, just before we get started, I was thinking about this meeting this morning before it started. Um, can I share with you what I was thinking? That there's no way you're going to say no to that question. Uh, of course. Right, of course. If I said if I said to a prospect, um, Hey, George, would it be okay if we spent, I don't know, maybe five minutes talking about the kind of investment it might take to get this fixed for you? Um, That's, again, it's a a permission-based question where the answer is a universal yes. And if I said that to George, my prospect, who is in control? If I said, hey, George, can I tell you my biggest fear? The answer is always yes. Or, hey, George, that's a great question. Another client of mine asked me that six weeks ago. Can I tell you what I told him? The answer is always yes. Um, So, these questions, if they're, uh, and and at the moment, we're just talking tactical questions. We'll come on to strategic questions later. But these tactical questions that allow you to control the conversation in such a way that if I said to a prospect, um, hey, would it be okay if we spend five minutes talking about the kind of investment it might take to get this fixed for you? and they say, yes, who's in control? Who's in control of the interaction if I ask that question of a prospect?
0: So by you asking, because you know what their answer is going to be, you're in control, but the other person has the illusion exactly. that they're in control.
1: Exactly. So so you retain control of the airtime and, and lots of other things. Whilst ever the the prospect thinks that they're in control, which is great because then you don't get any resistance and you start again moving from this vendor to trusted advisor status. So the first of all, come back to your question about you know what's the mindset that we have to have as an individual to start building this bonding and rapport with our new prospects, it's we have to believe that we have equal business stature if we don't believe we have an equal business stature and we if we think right wrongly of course that we are subservient to the buyer and they're in charge they're you know if we believe all of that stuff then this these techniques of asking really really searching questions are very very difficult um I can give you an example of a really dumb question. I asked you what's the most important question. I can give you an example of a really bad question and a really good question if you'd like.
0: So before we go there, let me ask you a question. Is it okay if I ask you a question? (laughs) Of course. uh, Nice. Good, universal, yeah. (laughs) Here's the question. So you can get somebody trained to like, this is an equal relationship. We're both equals here. And some salespeople... Are truly deeply going to believe that and other salespeople will think it, but not believe it. So, and their actions will show it. Yep. So how do you coach people to really mm-hmm. buy into that? Cause sometimes in their heart of hearts, they're like, no, mm-hmm. no, the client has all the money and I have to da, da, da. So how do you get people to cross that chasm to truly believe what they need to, which is, you know, Hey, I'm here to help you. You need help. Let's figure it out.
1: Well, that's a great question. So that, that issue is it's entirely conceptual, right? So it's entirely, you know, in the six inches between their ears. And it comes from um, you know, scripting as a child, it comes from, you know, lots of learned behaviors and so on. And so how do we address conceptual issues? Well, if you think about if anybody has any issue well let's let's let me backtrack just for a second to set the stage if anybody's going to succeed at anything at anything whether that's riding a bike driving a car making a souffle selling your products and services right whatever it is well, well soufflés are tricky but the other things are pretty easy so how do you how do you <laughs> how do you succeed at those things well it's the right application of the right behaviours that's Kind of doing things, right? The right attitudes. That's those conceptual um, issues in your head and then skills and techniques. And if you use the right behaviors, the right attitudes and the right skills and techniques in enough density, then you will succeed. Okay. So we were talking then about this belief about this equal business stature. Well, where does that live? Does that live in behaviors? No skill and technique. No, that's entirely attitudinal. So, how do we fix? How do we fix um, attitude? Fix is a very um, um, provocative word, but how do we address uh, attitudinal, value-based belief systems? Well, for if anybody's listening, and if they are a manager of somebody, right? So they have they may be a sales manager or a leader, and they have some people reporting to them. We know that you can't manage somebody's attitude you can't just say cheer up right (laughs) because I just you know I demand that or the beatings will continue until morale improves right that's not the way to fix those things so we manage behaviors we coach attitudes and we train technique skill and technique so come back to your original question which is a good question how do we deal with that delta between in in terms of that equal business stature between what the salesperson thinks and and what we want them to think such that they can run their own sales process ask these really tricky questions and we haven't got onto those yet then it's conceptual so if you're a manager with people who don't feel don't believe that they have this equal business stature coaching is the only answer it's this it's the only answer that's the only tool that helps that attitude now but what if you are not a sales manager? What if you are, a, you know, an individual? What if you are um, a sales professional and, or even a business owner, right? And so it's your company, and there's nobody that's going to coach you, and you're not going outside into the world and chatting to somebody like you or somebody like me to help coach them? Then they have to. Again, it comes back to this self awareness that you were talking about earlier when we, when we, when we started our conversation. Um, you, you better start trying to address that head trash right and so you better start to journal you better start getting very good at being uh, self aware what that means is to you need to start evaluate so every meeting every interaction every every kind of conversation and on a professional business sense you need to walk away from that Notwithstanding that you must have had, of course, a pre call plan, but we won't get into that today, you should say to yourself, Do you know what? I'll give myself a B minus for that. When you start to self evaluate and you say, Okay, well, wh- how could that B minus have become um, uh, a B or a B plus or an A minus or an A or an A plus? Once you start to say, What should I be doing more of? What should I be doing less of? What things need to be addressed? Start writing stuff down in, in your journal. And I know that people don't like to journal and they think that it's you know when i first joined sandler and my ceo said to me hey antonio do you journal <laughs> all right um i said no no dave i don't and 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 he asked me why and i said probably because i'm not a 16 year old victorian schoolgirl," right and he said yeah but okay i hear that but think about it and and you'll find that." most certainly most sandler trainers across the globe and there are hundreds of us and certainly most successful. you know nearly every single leader that i speak to they do journal right and they do try and get their mindset right and that it comes back to what i said earlier uh, umar about that wisdom comes from evaluated experience but not just experience evaluated experience so go ahead
0: One of the other benefits of journaling is this, is that right now, most people are juggling a bunch of thoughts inside their head Sure. just so they don't forget them. Yeah. And when you journal that, it gives your mind the ability to let go of that thought so you can think new thoughts and solve problems in a more elegant way. So number one, you get that introspection and you get insights. And number two, you clear the clutter in your brain so you can think better thoughts and tackle bigger problems.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I don't want people to think that. Oh, so a journal is um, a to do list. It's like uh, you know, like the checklist manifesto, right? If anybody's read that book. No, Ju- you know, there is a place for to do list and start checking things off a box for sure. But journaling goes beyond that, and and and. Uh, And it can include things like, what behaviors do I need today to succeed? What are my goals today? What did I learn yesterday? Uh, What am I grateful for? Because you can't have a positive life. And, uh, you know, if you fill it with negativity and the reality is about sales, right, Umar, is that, and I know that you're, you know, super interested in mindset that we have to expect that most of the time we get no's, right? We, for... For for some of us, it might be we get twenty no's for every one yes, and so we have to build up our own resilience to that. And if we if we start taking those rejections that we ought to expect personally, then that starts to degrade this principle that you were talking about of equal business stature, right? If we take if we take those hits, our, our, you know, our, our personally, and we say oh, I'm just not very good at this, I, I and then what happens is. Um, we meet a live prospect that can fog a mirror we get so attached to the outcome and our need for approval goes so high that we just throw away all of our rules we throw away our process we don't ask good questions and and we actually think oh i need to ingratiate myself with this prospect so that he will like and love me and uh, and unfortunately when you have a high need for approval um uh your ability to ask good questions crashes um your margins crash, your prices crash, your sales cycle extends, you get too attached to the outcome, you do too much unpaid consultancy and and a whole plethora of dreadful things happen so this this principle of equal business stature lies at the heart of being able to ask these questions and I guess the short answer to it is "Get help." <laughs> Should have just said that. Get a coach, get yes. a mentor so- yeah.
0: A really good question to ask is one that gives your prospect an insight. Yes. Because a lot of times we assume that the prospect knows everything they need to know. And the reality is a lot of times they've got uh, preconceptions or they just don't freaking know. Yeah. And by you asking excellent questions, sometimes kind of go, huh, Yeah. I never thought of it that way. And that's how you differentiate yourself from the competition because everyone is just placating and going through the motions if you give insights people want that 100
1: i i actually write in every pre-call plan i do um that one of my goals and i'll, I'll typically have three or four goals but one of my goals is to actually get The prospect to say great question I don't know or what a great question I'm not sure or what a great question let me think about that right I I want them to mentally sweat because I don't want to look and sound and feel and taste and behave like my competitors and so so if I can get them because there's sort of a rule that I've developed a four four piece rule that we talk about in the book and it kind of sounds like this and So there's four elements to this. And this is sort of the golden rule of selling, right? If you want to know what this is, you know, uh, listeners write this down. Uh, 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 Number one is they never believe what you tell them. Number two is they rarely believe what you show them. Number three is they'll often believe what somebody else tells them. But number four is they always believe what they tell themselves. So it's our job then to have them say to themselves, man, these are the guys that I should be working with. Well, how do we do that? Do we do that by asking really dumb, trite questions? No, just as you said, Omar, what we want them to do is we want to ask them a question and we want them to say to themselves, man, that's a good question. And Whenever they say to themselves, man, that's a good question. Do we go up in their estimation towards trusted advisor or do we go down towards vendor? We go up, of course, right? So- can i demo can i demo a good one and a bad one a terrible i'll give you a bunch of dreadful questions that keep you down in that vendor world and then i'll demo a couple of questions that actually move you towards more towards that trusted advisor status so that your listeners get the difference between a good question and a dreadful question and it comes back to that everybody thinks they're a good driver right <laughs> everybody <laughs> thinks they're good at asking questions so so if I, let, let's pretend for a second that, that you're a prospect of mine. Let's just imagine that you're the CEO of an organization and you're considering getting some sales training or coaching for you or for some of your gang. If I, and remember we've got this limited real estate, so I can't ask you a million questions. I can only ask you a certain number of questions. If I said to you, Amar, any kind of question that sounded like, so Mar. um, Tell me a little bit about you know the markets that you operate in, or how long have you been the CEO around here, or how many people work here, or these just these really trite, boring I mean, any question where you can get the answer on LinkedIn, Google search, literature, website, right? They are they are universal, uh, universally dreadful questions. Because if I ask you any of those questions, what do you learn about me other than I am just like my competitors, right? Um, and, and, and working on this principle that better, different is better than better, right? So one of the things I, do, I want to do is be different from my competitors. So instead of saying, how long have you been the CEO around here, Umar, right? Which is a dreadful question. Limited real estate. I've only got... 15 questions to ask, and I've blown one on a completely dumb and pointless one, right? But if I said to you instead, Umar, um, hey, Umar, why don't you spend a couple of minutes and describe what you're seeing in the marketplace right now that that's maybe worrying you that will perhaps have the most detrimental impact on your competitiveness over the next two or three years? Isn't that a better question than how many people work here?
0: Absolutely. And two things. Number one, the person's going to have to actually may not have thought about it. Exactly. And it will also let you know how they think, what their thought process is. Right. Right. Which is really, really useful. Right. Because just getting the answer is like, you know, who cares? As they think about it and they articulate, you get insights into how they think. Of course. And that's going to be invaluable information as you move along the process.
1: Right. Right. What it also does is it tells the prospect something about the kind of engagement that he can expect from me going forward and, and, and whether or not I am thoughtful. And I don't mean I'm doing speech marks in the air, which you probably can't say. I don't mean thoughtful, like I'm nice to my mother and pets and, you know, buy her flowers. I mean, considered, considered, right? So, um, one of the reasons that most prospects are worried about talking to a new supplier is they think they don't really understand my world, and then cons- that's a concern of theirs. And so I might say to a prospect, hey, Mr. Prospect, um, in order for me to see the world through your eyes such that I can give you, you know, my best possible advice, would it be okay if I ask you, um, a bunch of questions some of them might be easy some of them might be difficult some of them you might not even know the answer to but we'll figure that out as we go along will that be okay and that's that permission based question but I, I hang it on a, in order for me to be able to see the world through your eyes and when we do that again we move slightly away from that vendor status right and more towards that consultative status and I know there may be some people listening that go hey, but you know, I'm in commodity sales. I'm not selling oil rigs for a second, and, uh, for, for the moment. And I recognize that there are kind of four main sort of sales arenas. There are those, and, and it's all to do with kind of length of sales cycle and whether or not it's demand generation or demand fulfillment. <clears throat> but the main four are commodity sales, right? Then you have unique value sales. You have account sales and consultative sales. And it's true. That if you're in consultative sales, you might have to ask a different set of questions than if you are in unique value sales or account sales or commodity sales. And so when we when we go through the book, we recognize that there are the right kinds of questions to ask of the right kind of customer. So if you're talking to an enterprise um, prospect, you may be the maybe three or four or five or more individuals that you have to get your arms around. They're entirely different questions than if you're selling paper clips for a living. So the, the, the point about the question that I asked you earlier, some people might be thinking, but that's not appropriate in my world. And my, the point that I'm just trying to make is that question might not be appropriate in the world, but it's entirely appropriate in my world. And it's much better than how long have you been a CEO around here? And so, What I would ask everybody to do that's listening, and this is another trick from the FBI, is you know, a couple of things happen. Most sales professionals, they get the same 20 or 30 questions day in, day out, week in, week out. They receive the same kinds of questions, right? Um, Just in a slightly different pair of pants sometimes. And so if you start writing down the questions you receive, and then start constructing when I hear that question, here would be my absolute best answer, right? So start doing that. And by the same token, start writing down if a client looks like this, here are my questions. And um, I have something called a sales crib sheet, and I have all of my questions, like the FBI, pre planned in advance. So I don't go into a meeting without having my questions organized so that, you know, if we go down one way, we go, because a lot of people, you know, they listen to respond instead of listen to understand. And so um, if they're thinking about their next question, they can't possibly be paying attention to the person that they are speaking to. And, and last point, just, I know I've been rambling for a second, last point that um, your value as a sales professional is, is, is measured more by the information you gather than the information you give. So your value as a sales professional is measured more by the information you gather than the information you give. And how do you manage that? By asking questions. Sorry, I've been rambling on for a little while.
0: No, it's been totally fascinating. And I think a few things uh, come out of this interview. Number one, you can't take sales like, oh, well, I'll sell and make commission. There you go. When you're a professional, all the things that you've spoken about is preparation for the call questions that you want to answer? What are the different areas of customers? What are the questions I ask? So A, if you're in this profession, take it seriously. It is a profession. Two, asking questions is a skill that needs to be improved as you go along continually. I bet you're still, when you hear a good question, you kind of go, hmm, I like that. I'm going to jot that down. So the book is Asking Questions the Sandler (laughs) Way every day. And Antonio, thank you so much for being on the program. We're going to do another interview uh, and go deeper into some other topics because I learned a lot. And uh, thank you so much. Any parting words uh, that you want to share with people, including what's one simple mind hack that you use that makes you more productive? Um, The one simple mind hack that makes me
1: more productive is... um, uh, whilst I said I journal, I also, you can't, for the people who can't see, um, I I organize post-it notes, <laughs> everything, just like you said, because I don't try and clutter my brain. So um, um, I organize post-it notes uh, and move them around. That's the beauty of post-it notes. We all know what post-it notes are great when we, you know, how great they are when we're doing brainstorming sessions and so on, but post-it notes are a great way to organize your life. Um What was the other question? I'm sorry. I, I can't remember.
0: So any uh, last thought
1: to share with our listeners? Yeah. I just, you know, I would, um, there is, um, at the end of the book, at the end of the book, there is um, a tool that you can download, which is 125 of the most useful questions to ask, right. In any sales situation, if anybody wants to send me an email, um i will gladly forward that to them and you don't have to have read the book to get the questions should i give my email address or do you want to do that separately
0: we're going to put it in the show notes so it'll be hyperlinked on the show notes and we're going to put the link to the book and your other books as well okay, so uh dear listener click on the link and go get it because uh, and buy the book buy the book <laughs> antonio thank you so much for being on the program Thanks
1: ever so much. It's been a blast. I've enjoyed it enormously. Thank you. I love your podcast. Thank you,
0: sir. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results.